Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another edition of the Fitter and Faster Coaches Corner. As always, I'm your host, Mike Murray. Thrilled today to be joined by a longtime friend and colleague in the business, Jamie Bloom. Jamie, where are you joining us from today? Good morning. I am currently in Raleigh, North Carolina, where I coach with the Yoda swim team, the YMCA of the Triangle area. And I'm in my office. And Jamie, you and I got to catch up a little bit last week at North Carolina Select Camp. To our audience who is watching this on YouTube, I apologize for <laughs> my lack of haircut. I've been on the road for about three straight weeks, uh, and we're thrilled now the championship season is through to host great coaches like Jamie Bloom. And today, Jamie, we're going to tackle a few different topics, but we do want to focus today on a conversation surrounding women in coaching and specifically women in club coaching, and also about creating opportunities for diversity and programs across USA Swimming. So maybe some strategies and ideas for clubs and coaches to use to help make their program more diverse, more open to the communities that they're a part of. Sounds great. I know it's a, a passion of yours, Jamie, to discuss a little bit of, of your journey in the sport uh, and your journey to being where you are now at Yoda. Um, but I do want you to jump right into the conversation and talk about women in coaching and your experience and some of the progress that we're making. And then we can also discuss some of the hurdles that we still have to jump to bring more women into positions of head coach, CEO, owner, operator, and uh, really help our profession continue to evolve. Certainly. Um, thanks, Mike. So, you know, I've been coaching for a long time, 40 years, actually. And uh, <laughs> And um, I think, you know, it's, it's interesting. There's a lot of topics that we talk about. And for me, talking about women in coaching has been a thing uh, for a, probably the last 15 or so years, but we didn't really ever do anything about it. Like we just got a, a, a group of people in the room and we said, oh yeah, la la la, we don't have a lot of women in coaching. And then we just didn't really do anything about it. And so one of my real main goals over the last five years has to really start to roll up, you know, my sleeves and get busy with how do we get more women into coaching? How do we encourage more young women to start thinking about coaching? And, you know, let's finally do something about it. I think I'm in a place where I feel comfortable with my style, with my philosophy. I am, uh, I like to think of myself as a mentor. But I've publicly said I want to be a mentor and I want to help get more women into coaching. And like I said, have young athletes see themselves as, oh, I could do that. I could become a coach, not just young girls, but, you know, young male swimmers as well. Um, so the question is, how do we do that? And, you know, the, one of the big issues today, and maybe it's not today, maybe it's just that I finally reached a point of maturity where I understand it, is that kids coming out of college, they don't want to be coaches because coaches don't make a lot of money. Um, you know, they want to go places where they can make six figures and, uh, you know, pay off their student loans if they have them in some reasonable amount of time. Um, so I think that that's one of the biggest issues right now with getting some of these young people to think, oh, coaching is something that I really want to do. Jamie, you've been a coach on our national junior team staff for USA Swimming. You've held some major positions of leadership within our sport, 
whether it's at the LSC level, the zone level, or at, at the national level, when you were a young assistant coach, when you were coming up in the business, what were some of the things that you did to help elevate your status to maybe get yourself that next step from just starting out as a coach, a young woman in coaching, to now becoming the lead coach of a, a nationally recognized club um, with high-performing athletes, high achievers? Talk about your step-by-step -step progression to where you are now. All right. So I think first and foremost, I've been really fortunate to have good people leading me, whether that be a head coach or, you know, I started out in a school district, um, a department chair, uh, an assistant principal, even a principal. Uh, I think that I've never been, I've always worked for a club that had, it was institutionally owned. So we had parents who were, and we still do, who sit on advisory committees um, and they, thankfully didn't have to deal with things like hiring and, and that sort of thing. They mostly had the opportunity to guide and to help and to make recommendations. And, um, and so I've been fortunate really to be involved with those kind of folks. The other thing is, is that I have always been a person who's wanted to jump in. And so that's what I've done. You know, if there was an opportunity to get involved at the LSC level, then I was able, then I took advantage of that. If they're, you know, like my positions at the national team level have been manager positions. I've been a head coach of diversity, national diversity select, and I've been coach on a few zone camps, but mostly my, you know, big positions have been manager positions and you simply apply for something like that. And then, you know, people, you, you if you're lucky, you get selected. And then, you know, I've just been a hard worker. And, and, and I think just the ability to put myself out there, not be afraid to do that, listen to the, the leaders around me, um, talk with them, and, and just go for it. Absolutely. And, and what is the advice that you have for that young woman coach? Maybe she's been coaching um, for four or five years at the same club and is ready to maybe take that next step into club leadership or... Uh, moving on to club ownership. Wow. So my advice is go for it. My, my advice is talk to people, surround yourself with people who are good leaders and mentors, with people that you feel comfortable talking with, not necessarily people who are going to say, oh yeah, that's the thing you should do, but people who are going to challenge you, people who are going to make you think, people who are going to make you set up a plan and devise your steps but then really just go for it. I think too many times, you know, I wrote an article for Streamline Teams on, um, on applying for a job. Essentially, it was about applying for a job. And the, the sort of typical, stereotypical rub on women is that we will not apply for a job unless we meet every single qualification that's listed in the, in the um, job, you know, in the list where men will say, oh yeah, I got that one thing. So I'm going to go ahead and apply for the job. And I think that, you know, we needed some sort of a healthy mix of something in between. And I think that women just have to, again, I think it's surround yourself with people who are going to help you be strong and realize that you can do these things, but then you just have to go for it. You know, it's kind of like uh, I recently wrote about wage gaps. And the truth is the wage gap has narrowed 
it's maybe not as big as it was, say, five or six years ago, which isn't that long ago. But the real issue is demanding that you should get the same pay in this instance as somebody else who's at the same level of experience as you. And I think that's what we need to teach women to do. Well, so that's what young girls need to learn to do. Well, thanks to women like you in the business and others who have started to help us close that gap with the tremendous jobs that so many have done. But now we're starting to see uh, some breakthroughs happen at the NCAA level that don't seem to be mirrored at the club level, right? So right. we're seeing some great young women coaches start to be, as you mentioned in your article that I read, which was wonderful. What I took away from that article was you've got to be assertive and you, you can't be afraid to put yourself out there. So we see women like Abby Brethauer now at Princeton, the associate head coach. We see Danny Corman uh, these past few years at Cal, and she was a tremendous head coach at MIT and has so much great experience. Uh, we're seeing uh, Stephanie Junker from Louisville take a tremendous step forward. Um, you know, so many coaches across the country at the NCA level are doing this. Why are we having trouble maybe getting that same sort of footing at the club level? That's a great question. I think that, you know, at the club level, I think so much is dependent upon you. Uh, I, when you're at, and I've coached in the NCAA, uh, you have a huge support system. You know, you're part of a department. You are, you're part of a coaching staff, which the coaching staff seem to be getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And you have a really small audience. You know, you have a group of athletes somewhere from maybe if you're a single gender team, you know, maybe 30 athletes to if you if you're uh, both genders, you might have, depending on the size of your roster, you know, you might have up to 80 athletes. That would be a huge team. Um, and, and you've got all sorts of people that are working within that system to make sure that whatever those athletes need and whatever you need and your team, et cetera, is taken care of. When you are, when you're running a club, you have, you know, if you're a small club, I don't know what, you might have 50 or 60 kids. If you're a big club, you might, you know, we have 600 at Yoda and we're medium size. <laughs> you know, I used to think 600 was big, but my goodness, you look at some of these like NCAP and well, right here in Raleigh, we have TAC. Actually, we have MSA in Charlotte that's gone to over a thousand athletes. And when you're the, the manager of that and the I'm going to say the only people that you have working for you in terms of administration are your board. That's a, that's a hard job. You know, that's a really tough thing to manage. Um, I think with women, obviously, we end up with a lot of stereotypes with, you know, does she have a family? Is she married? Does she have kids? Is she going to be able to give the time that's necessary to, to run this whole thing? And the truth is, yes, <laughs> she is. She can. We can. Um, and I think, you know, we're starting to push against that a little bit. We're starting to see women who are are getting through that a little bit and getting themselves into big positions but I, I mean again I think that the whole thing comes down to who you surround yourself with wow. and yeah you know who who's your support and when you become the leader of a club do you go into the club and say this is what I'm going to expect 
These are the things that I want to have. This is how we're going to function and be successful. If I do this, are you going to fire me? Are you going to say, are you going to push back the whole time? Are you going, you know, if, if I do these things, which of course, we're not saying if I do something unethical or immoral or illegal, obviously, um, but you know, I think that again, women, we need to be bold and, and do and say those things. And then people will go, oh, okay, she's serious. She knows what she's talking about. This is our woman. I love it. And I love, I love the attitude of, you know, that there's, there's no reason why we can't be as successful as anybody else. I mean, why not put ourselves in a position where we can lead, we can show that we've coached great athletes. I mean, there are so many great young women coaches in USA swimming right now that are making an incredible impact on both in their LSC level, but on the national level as well. So when we start to see some of these younger women elevate, it's really now uh, a question of, okay, how do we make those breakthroughs into the top level of the, the coaching echelon, the head coach, the CEO, the program director? Um, I think, you know, it depends on the, the type of club, right? Is it parent? Right. Run? Is, it, is it board run? What, what, the, what the situation is there? But for the most part, uh, being assertive and, and taking those chances on some positions that because I think women can be a little bit more diligent and, and they take a little bit more time to consider what a position would require where guys will say, like you mentioned earlier, Oh, what the heck? I'm just going to throw it out there. You know, that that's the point where I think we can start to, to, to encourage women to try for those bigger jobs. You know, I, yeah, I agree. I'm excited to see how that how that will unfold. What are some of the things, Jamie, that, that you think um, teams, parent boards, club owners should consider when they have a very strong uh, woman applicant? Well, I hope they consider, uh, you know, the plan, largely the plan. You know, you think about it like when you have when you coach swimmers, you create a season plan, right? It's periodization. You, if, you, if you're lucky enough to have an athlete that you think is going to maybe make trials or perhaps make the national team or make the Olympic team, you, know, you have a huge plan for that kid, those athletes. It's not something that you just sit down and go, okay, six months from now, right? You, you, you cycle, you basically go on a quad plan. And I think that if I'm hiring a candidate, that's what I want to see. You know, I want somebody who's going to come in and say, this is what our plan is going to be. This is why here's the steps that we're going to take to get here. And this is the ultimate goal. You know, and if that's membership, if that's fundraising, if that's pool space, if it's we're going to build a pool, um, <laughs> heaven forbid, uh, you know, if it's we're going to put in a swimming lessons program, what, whatever it happens to be, this is our staff, I think that those are the skills that people need to do. I don't think that needs to be gender specific at all. And I think that if, if a woman came in and sat down in front of me and said, here's my plan, here's how we're going to get here. These are the goals. I, there's no reason not to hire her. Absolutely. And that's, I think those are the things that we need to do. And we know how to do that. Again, I think it's mentoring. It's 
you know, I've talked in some of the articles that I've written about developing your squad. Um, you need a group of women, especially around you, who are going to encourage you and push you. But, you know, you, you need just some strong people who have done what you want to do and can advise you and help you create that, that plan that you're going to present to a potential employer. Absolutely. And what are some things that current head coaches um, who, are, who have very strong assistants or associate head coach women in their club, what are some of the things that they need to do to help uh, continue to develop their coaches to get to the point where we start as male coaches encouraging our female assistants to shoot for those openings in the bigger clubs? to shoot for head coach positions? What, how can we help mentor them? Uh, so that's great. I think that's a great question, Mike. I think first and foremost, we have to acknowledge that that's what we want to do. You know, I think that when we have great assistant coaches, sometimes the last thing we want to do is let them go, uh, right? And, and, uh, and that's fine. I mean, if that's somebody's desire is to stay and be an assistant coach and that's, you know, they're going to kind of put their feet down and stay where they are. But I think the first thing is to acknowledge that this is what somebody wants to do. And then I think it's up to us. I think it's up to the men uh, who might be the, the leader of those women to start to tell other people about them and to start to say, hey, listen, I've got this great young coach on my staff. She is interested in becoming a head coach. I think she'd be fantastic for this. When there's a job you know, that comes up, you, you call on behalf of that person, you tell her, here's a great position um, that I think you would be really suited for. How do you feel about it? And I, again, I just think it's putting yourself out there, having her put herself out there, and then just support and encouragement. But I think first and foremost, as the head coach, you have to be willing to, you know, to say, this is, are you interested in this? This is something that I'd like to help you develop. You know, let's go for it. And I, I also think that we have a responsibility as if, if we are the head coach, if we are a male and we are the head coach of our club and we have great female assistants or associate head coaches, I do think that we have a responsibility to celebrate the success of those coaches, to help get your coaches' names out there, to mention to other coaches who might be looking for a new head coach or head coaches who are retiring that we celebrate our women coaches on our social media platforms, that we're getting information out there so that the world can see like, we, we are so supportive. I, I, and I truly believe that my peers and my colleagues are so supportive of helping women get head coaching jobs within USA Swimming. Is that something that you would agree with? How can yes. we get that out there? Yeah, I, that's how we do it. I mean, that's exactly how we do it. We just have to not be selfish and hang on to people. We need to, uh, again, we just, and we have to be proactive. Sometimes we have to be proactive for them. Um, I, I do think it's a conversation, you know, when you hire a coach, hopefully the conversation that you have when you hire that coach is, what are your goals? You know, where do you see yourself in five years, in 10 years? What do you want to do? Uh, you know, where do you want to go in this profession? Do you want to stay in this profession? You know, are you, as a person that you're hiring a, hiring a part-time person who has a full, you know, I have a couple of coaches on my staff who are, um, I, I have a, one of my coaches in, is in nursing school and she's going to graduate and she already has a job, um, but she would love to continue to coach. 
So, you know, that's one of, one of the things you'd like to do. One of the coaches on my staff is in law school. Uh, his desire is to, you know, go and, and fight the criminals and all that other stuff, but then take off his tie and his lawyer clothes and come and coach swimming. Um, so, you know, you need to know your personnel. You need to know what people have in mind. What are their goals? And those are conversations you need to have with folks. And then again, if, if the goal is I want to be a head coach, then I think it's, it's imperative on us, the leaders of the, the younger coaches to do everything that we can to promote them and to get them out there into places where they can become head coaches. All right, Jamie, we left off on our first recording and we were talking about the progress of women in coaching and how we've seen so many women start to get some more top tier jobs. What are some of the reasons behind that, do you think? And are we evolving fast enough as a profession in terms of helping women get head coaching jobs? Um, so I'll answer the second part first. No, I don't think we're evolving fast enough. I think um, we are evolving and there certainly has been some progress made over the last, you know, maybe two or three years, interestingly enough, maybe during COVID. Um, but I think that, you know, I don't know. I don't, I, I think in some terms, progress is just never fast enough, although it's great to see progress, you know? Um, and, and what's the reason I think that more women are getting involved? Well, I think that, or getting hired. Um, I think, I think that people are finally starting to understand that, uh, coaching is not a gendered prof profession and, there are great coaches, male or female, and, and we are finally giving opportunities to women. And I honestly think that it's because we're talking about it more. I think that there's a, you know, there's a group of women that have been coaching for quite some time. I'm going to put myself into that category. And, and there's a whole bunch of us that have decided that, you know, it's time that we really spent some time talking about this and really spent some time promoting each other uh, and really got on the, you know, here's a job that you might be interested in and I think you should apply for it and I'm going to recommend you. And I think that's what's starting to happen. It's really great to see. And, and it's so apropos for our Coaches Corner episode today because uh, just this week, Samantha Barony was named the executive director of the College Swim Coaches Association. As you know, at ASCA, we hired our first female uh, CEO ever in Jennifer Lamont. Um, and, and those two actually shared this great picture on Facebook. So you can see, even though uh, they might not be coaching positions, there's certainly leadership positions for females in swimming, which I think is a huge step forward. Would you agree? I completely agree. And I have to think that having women in those positions just makes it better for all the female coaches out there. I mean, I would certainly hope that that will be one of their their goals collectively is to make sure that the women who should be hired and recognized are are getting there. And hopefully with with female leadership at the top, you know, they can also kind of push that agenda a bit. Jamie, what are some things that you've utilized professionally uh, to help some of our younger women assistant coaches and maybe some younger women head coaches continue to evolve and work to get some of these bigger jobs. Are there any programs that you've been active in or, or that you would encourage younger coaches to get involved with? 
So I've participated in the Women's Leadership Summits that USA Swimming has promoted. We do some things in the Y as well with women's leadership specifically. So I've involved myself in, um, I've taken advantage of those opportunities. I also think that we, you know, again, I said there's a group of women right now that are really proactively uh, trying to, to get younger female coaches into the ranks. And one of the things that we're really encouraging uh, all coaches really, but especially our, our female coaches to do is to create themselves a squad, you know, create a group of women that they, uh, that they can be mentored by, that they can uh, grow through and with, and that can help them find positions, apply for positions. You know, it's, it's a really nice mentoring setup. And I think this is, it's been a long time coming. There's been sort of starts and stops. We've done leadership summits and that sort of thing. And I just think that, you know, it's finally taking good solid hold and that's what's happening. Absolutely. And one of the things, Jamie, that you and I are both very passionate about in our sport and moving our sport forward is diversity, equity, and inclusion. So talk about maybe some of the past history in our sport and why we need to make immediate and effective change to be a more inclusive sport. And when I say inclusive, I'm including every possible category that you can think of so that our sport is a welcoming sport that celebrates individuality and uniqueness. Yeah, it's a great topic, Mike, and it's a conversation that we could spend an entire coach's corner on. It is, it's important. We need to be welcoming to everybody and we need to be inclusive of everybody. And we need to put ourselves out into the communities that are under, that are traditionally underrepresented in our sport. And we need to provide opportunities for those communities to choose to come into our sport. And then what we need to do is we need to make the opportunities available. If it's affordability, then we need to think about price points. If it's access, then we need to figure out how to get, you know, for instance, differently abled people into the water. Um, you know, if it's a, if it's a trans situation, then we, we need to work with in our trans communities, find out what our trans athletes need. We need to have, you know, good, honest, open conversations with all of our communities and make sure that we're including them. And I think, you know, one of the things that I've learned over the last couple of years when dealing with inclusion and diversity is that we need to have the people who we're trying to include as they need to have seats with us. We can't just unilaterally make decisions for folks that we're not, you know, and we and I think that, you know, that's something that I've really become aware of and something that I've tried to do. We can't, you know, we can't, I'm gonna talk about the trans community, for instance, all kinds of, you know, legislation and rules, et cetera, et cetera, have been floated past, they're sitting in Congress, whatever, without even bringing trans people into the conversation. I, I don't know how you can do that. It's just not fair, you know? So anyway, I just, I think that, we need to think about what we want, who we want, we want everybody, then we need to make sure that we are providing the resources, providing the accessibility, opening our doors, opening our, if it's, it's uh, you know, again, as I said, if it's a, a financial situation, 
making sure that our price points are affordable for anyone that wants to be part of our programs. And when it comes to access to the water, obviously we need to teach people how to swim. We need to go into communities and, and do swimming lessons. If it's free swimming lessons or it's, you know, pop-up swimming lessons or it's sign up for swimming lessons or, you know, in, in communities that are largely underserved, you know, the black and brown communities where they haven't had the opportunities to get into the water and it's a generational thing, then we need to get the adults to understand that it's okay to be around water. And we don't need to maybe teach adults how to swim but we need to teach them how to be safe around the water. We need to teach them to feel safe, that their kids are gonna be safe. Um, and you know this as well as I do. You talk to kids who come from generational fear of the water and they're gonna tell you fantastic stories from, that they've heard from their grandmother or their aunt or their mom, you know, or some cousin that, that they you know, get to spend the weekends with or whatever about some tragic thing that happened to them in the water. And we. We need to work within those communities to make sure everybody knows that they're going to be safe. It's going to be okay. There's no doubt about that, Jamie. And I think maybe the, the most important aspect for coaches to understand if they want to get involved in helping programs uh, move forward, they have to learn to have the conversation, right? And one of the things that I find is that there's so many great just human beings, right, in our profession. But they're uncomfortable with the vocabulary. They're uncomfortable with how to talk about the situation. How do we help educate coaches in understanding that, look, there, there are some times where you're going to say the wrong thing, but if you have the right intent, there are people willing to listen. You know, it, it's not as much a cancel culture as everyone thinks it is at times. Right. People just need to be educated on how to talk about these issues. And, you know, whether it's older coaches who would like to help, but, you know, generationally there are differences. We need to help open that door for them to have that discussion. I know you're not going to have the right answer, but what's your opinion on how we help people do that? <laughs> well, I mean, my opinion is that people need to be willing to learn to do so that's the first step. You know, you've got to be willing to educate yourself. You've got to be willing to work on your own, um, I'm going to just say biases. You, you've got to be willing to get yourself involved and find the resources that will help you first before you can, you know, step into anybody else's space. And, you know, it's the same. It's kind of, you know, think about uh, the kid Again, I'm going to go with trans or the LGBT athletes um, who come to a coach and say, coach, you know, I, I think I'm gay or I think I'm trans or I know I'm trans and I can't talk to my parents. You know, they're going to kick me out of the house. I, I feel like I have no support, et cetera, et cetera. And, you know, you know this, we are oftentimes the one of the few people that athletes feel like they have, uh, you know, that they can have confidential conversations with. Coaches need to be armed with the resources and the ability to say to a kid, oh, I, I know where to go. I can help you. Thank you for coming and talking with me. You know, let's do this together. Um, and, you know, I've done some work with USA Swimming on inclusion. We've done some, uh, some education pieces for coaches 
everybody's well aware that the coaches education is coming out here in the fall. Um, you know, there's all kinds of stuff and it, it changes on a daily basis. I mean, everything is, is, and, and, you know, while on the one hand, we seem to be raising up, uh, young athletes who are really not about categories and, you know, being named this, that, or the other, we're also, we have lots of people who are trying to figure out where they fit in. And so we need to be prepared to have those conversations, you know, and it's the same with your communities of color and, and different racial backgrounds and ethnic backgrounds. I think the more people that you can have that look like the communities you're in, that are serving the communities that you're in, that have some experience with a, a particular um, community, for lack of a better word, then I, I think the conversations are easier to, to begin. Not easy, but <laughs> easier to begin. But I think the bottom line is coaches need to be willing to learn and educate themselves. Well, your, your point is so well taken in terms of education. And the thing that I really took away from uh, what you were saying there was we are often the person that is confided in first in situations like that. And what a great way to just build your relationship with your athlete even further to the point where you have become such a trusted and important part of their life that has to make you feel good about the job that you're doing. And it might take that athlete to a whole nother level in terms of performance, because now I can, I know that I'm comfortable here. The, these, these people might be different from me, but these are still my people. And, and what can you say about that? And, and maybe you've seen some transformations in the way that uh, some of your athletes have reacted after maybe coming out or feeling comfortable enough to be out around their teammates. Well, and I think, first of all, I think it's more than comfort. It's safety. You know, athletes need to feel safe. Everybody needs to feel safe. Um, so, yes, I, I have countless I've seen countless situations where for one reason or another, an athlete has confided something. And I, I'll just, what I'll say about that, Mike, is that I have huge respect for the responsibility that I have around that. And I think that as I've grown older and more mature, and I've put more years into this, I think that that's the thing that kind of informs my coaching more than anything else. Yes, I can write a workout. I understand the science. I, it, it thrills me to no end to have a kid achieve, you know, a goal that they have around a time or a meet or something like that. But the responsibility that I have to respect my athletes, their families, our program is, um, and my community is, is something that is really important to me and that I have a lot of respect for. Well, it's, it's, it's obvious when, when you speak to you and, and how seriously you take our profession. And, you know, Jamie, you, th these are your words that you've been around for a long time. This is not me saying that, but your words is you, you've been around for a long time. And one of the things that I've always respected uh, when I see you or when I watch you coach is that this profession is something that you take very seriously and you've always looked at it as a career, as a profession, as a calling. And I think that's something that young coaches really need to appreciate about those who come before us because for a long time, even when I was getting started in this business, 
the, the commentary was, yeah, well, what's your real job, right? Right. What's your real job? So, you know, I'm so thankful to know you and I'm, I'm so appreciative of this conversation. How can people who are interested in learning more about your experience or wanting to just learn from you, maybe as a remote mentor, how can people get in contact with you? So probably the best way to reach me is through my email. Um, do you want me to give you that right yeah. here? Okay, so <laughs> um, the best way to reach me is jamie.bloom, J-A-M-I-E dot B-L-O-O-M at ymcatriangle.org. And I'm pretty good at responding to email. And I am more than happy to connect with, with anybody that really wants to connect uh, for whatever reason. And again, I, you know, I've created a network around me. So if I don't know something or I think that, you know, somebody would be better served by getting connected into a different part of uh, the network that I belong in and to, then I, I'm more than happy to to do that, to, you know, to send people out as well. Can't solve all the problems of the world, but I certainly have created a group around me that, that we can do stuff together. I love it. I love it. I, I appreciate you, Jamie. I, I really thank you for taking the time. And I, and I know I ran us around in circles to get this scheduled, <laughs> but uh, thank you so much for being on today. Thanks, Mike. This has been really good. I'm excited that, that we got to do this. Thank you so much. And we look forward to having you on again. All right. That'd be great.